I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. One of my last early summer cabbage. We're going to enjoy this tonight with a nice pie. Cheers! This is Gerald Stratford, a grower, Twitter sensation and author of the highly anticipated book Big Veg. From appearing in Gucci adverts to growing incredible giant cauliflowers, Gerald has had a busy year after his vegetable-based videos began to go viral online. Here's a taste. Just harvesting my large onions. Just cutting a cauliflower. I'm picking beetroots today. We're going to have some for lunch. And I'm pickling the rest. Just lifting them. Look at those. You can also eat the leaves, just like spinach. They're delicious. Have a nice weekend. Cheers. Gerald is clearly passionate about growing delicious food in his own allotment, and so am I. Today's podcast is all about celebrating things we can grow to eat. We'll be catching up with Gerald to learn about his journey to internet stardom. We'll also be exploring the potato harvest with Moffin Alley, heading to the allotment with Kirsty Ward to hear how she gets her kids involved and taking a bite into some of Wisley's finest apples. I'm Guy Barter and welcome to a very tasty edition of Gardening with the RHS. Well, this year's been a great allotment year here in the southeast. We've had an awful lot of rain, much more than we usually have. And for vegetables, rain is generally pretty good. So I've got some lovely calabries and cauliflowers and peas and broad beans. But the things that love heat, they haven't lost out too, because we've had some really good heat waves going on. So things like French beans and cucumbers and courgettes are rushing ahead. So it's a lovely year for the allotment. I've been looking at pictures of Gerald Stratford's homegrown vegetables on Twitter and I was very impressed. I wanted to hear how he does it. I've had pumpkins approaching £200. I've had a marrow, or the Americans call it a zucchini, approaching £80. I've had parsnips five feet long. We moved to this little bungalow just under five years ago. Up until then, I've had a lifetime of being a fisherman, but I was sort of approaching 70. I really didn't want to go fishing anymore. I'd had a lifetime of that. And we both love our garden, and we got a really big back garden, and it was a blank canvas. The 
because I'm not fishing now, I thought about, wonder if I could grow vegetables with the same mindset as catching a big fish. When you go fishing and catch a fish X long, uh, the next time you go, you want to get one a little bit longer or heavier. And I thought, well, wonder if I could do that with veg. And so the big veg thing is sort of a, an offshoot of just being a gardener. And, you know, I'd done my homework and I realized, you know, to grow a big carrot or a big marrow, you have to have the right progency. You have to have the correct seed. And so, you know, I phoned around and got seeds. And in 2019, February 2019, I was talking to a friend up country and he said, have you thought about Twitter, Gerald? You know, there's one or two gardeners on there and we just post a few photographs. And I thought, that sounds a good idea. Something a million miles away from what I'd done before. And so I tried to get on Twitter and couldn't. And I'm lucky to have a nephew, Stephen, who's much better than me, at computers. And he got me on Twitter, etc. And I posted one or two photographs and got a few followers over the coming months. And in May of 2020, I had a bucket of potatoes called Rocket in the greenhouse ready for harvest. And I gave Elizabeth my iPhone and said, take a couple photographs. Let's see what we've got. Well, we put a couple photographs with a caption, my first early rocket. Well, please, you know, a photograph of the potatoes. And it wasn't special, but it was a nice fresh photograph of pristine potatoes. And the phone started bleeping and buzzing and and I thought, what's going on? But after a couple of hours, I thought, well, I've got this noise is driving me mad. And I kept putting the phone in different rooms and it wouldn't leave me. So I phoned my nephew up. And he came back a while later and said, you've gone viral with your spuds. Well, I knew what viral meant, but not in the text of social media. And he explained, he said, people all over the world are liking you. And it's just been a roller coaster ride since then. So July and August is the month of harvesting. You know, uh, the end of August, I like to be doing all my main crop potatoes, digging them up. This year, I think it could be a little bit early because all this hot weather we've had is speeded things up. And when they stop growing, it's time to get them out of the soil. But there's lots of things to harvest. You know, French beans are lovely. I love French beans. You know, the crack, when you get a bean and it's fresh and you just break it in half and it breaks like a candle. I love the soil. The soil is such a natural media. You know, it falls through your fingers when you pick it up. It's so forgiving, the soil. Franklin D. Roosevelt said in 1937, I think, 
A nation that destroys its soil destroys itself. You know, and that is so, so true. You know, you should treasure it and love it. And if you love it, it will return that love by producing food for you to eat. Gerald will always be Gerald. And the only thing which has changed now is that my followers are expecting things. You know, and if I don't put a photograph on the odd person, you know, where's your photos, Gerald? We're waiting. You know? <laughs> and long may it continue because it's a nice feeling. That's me in a nutshell, basically. I'm just giving my followers some in, a few minutes enjoyment a week from their life. Cheers, Gerald. His book, Big Veg, will be out in September. Great to hear how his social media stardom came from a post about the humble potato, something I also love to grow. I've got earlies, I've got main crop, I've got salad potatoes, and I've got an heirloom potato called Red King Edward. And now is the time to get harvesting these beauties. So I spoke to Moffin Alley, gardener and YouTuber, who runs the My Family Garden channel, to hear all about his harvesting process. Potatoes, one of the most versatile vegetables that you can grow. They're just one of those things that everyone loves having a grow at. They're a really easy vegetable to grow as well, and it's one for the whole family to be able to get involved in. We grow the whole spectrum of varieties, right the way from first earlies to second earlies, right the way to main crop. And we're coming up to that time where we're pretty much finished harvesting all our first earlies. We've still got a few pots of second earlies to go. And towards the end of August, early September, we can start thinking about harvesting our main crop potatoes. Our autumn varieties, so we've got two this year. And these are the ones that I love growing every year. Desiree. So Desiree is just one that... I think is one of the best potatoes you can grow and it's one of those potatoes that's bred to be a little bit drought tolerant as well and also King Edwards the pink and the white together they look really nice they don't grow as big as the Desiree the Desiree can grow absolutely massive <laughs> they grow brilliant So when you harvest your potatoes, one of the things to think about is whether you want to use them straight away or whether you're storing them. Now, if you want to store them for a longer period, a good little tip to toughen the skins up is to cut the plant off at the base just above the soil level and leave them for a couple of weeks and that way the skin will toughen up and then they'll last a lot longer and they'll store a lot longer. The only downside to that is the skin's going to be a little bit tougher so you might have to peel them before you eat them <laughs> instead of just giving them a wash. But um, because we grow our potatoes in wood chips, we love just getting our hands stuck in. And this is one of the times when I love having the whole family out. All the kids, my mum, my wife, everyone's out. We're all getting our hands in. We're just digging it, digging away. Let's see what we get. Is... Mommy, I got one, I got one. You got one, you got one, you got one. Get a bucket. Get a bucket. There we go, there's a few there. I'll see what else <laughs> I mean, these one, we didn't plant It's like a massive treasure hunt. And the surprise that the kids get when they find a funny shaped potato or when they find a, a massive potato. It was last year, my son found, the little baby, found a potato that was shaped like a duck. 
and he was just running around with his potato all day long. It's a really fun thing to do with the family. If you're going to store potatoes long term, don't wash them. Harvest them off, take off any loose dirt, separate out any damaged potatoes. So if you're using a fork or if you're using a spade or something, anything that you've nicked with that. But the potatoes that look nice, you can store those and you can store them in for a good while. Hessian bags are a good way to store them. You can get grocery store trays and they're really good to stack. So what I like to do with them is I align them with cardboard and just put them in there and then stack them on top of there so and then put that in the dark shed and make sure that they're covered in there just put a blanket over the top or something so they're not being exposed to light we love to cook all sorts of meals with our potatoes oh this is the famous battle between myself and my daughter <laughs> so my daughter's a mash fan and as you can probably tell by my tummy i'm a bit of a chip fan <laughs> So, uh, yeah, we love chips. Well, I love chips anyway. Homemade chips, they're absolutely beautiful. They're hand-cut. I don't peel them. It's always nice to have a bit of that thin skin on top of your chips. I, th I think that's quite nice. If you just take a wire, a uh, scouring pad, and give them a scrub if you need to. We like to salt our chips before we fry them. So salt the chips before you fry them and then fry them. And, yeah, they come out absolutely wonderful. And my daughter, she just loves mash. Because they're the fresh potatoes that you're just getting out of the ground, they don't take that long to boil. They mash really easy. They're, they're just really fluffy. If you're thinking about growing potatoes for the first time next year, think about what type of potatoes you, you want to grow. So are you thinking about growing earlies or main crop? Are you trying to grow salad type potatoes? Are you trying to grow the big roasters and the chippers? We start planting our potatoes in March, so we go for first earlies and second earlies and we plant them at the same time. I like to grow my early potatoes in containers and that way I can pick as I need to. If you're thinking about growing in the ground, then it's time to, over autumn and over winter, it's time to improve that soil. So adding things like manure, adding organic matter for drainage. If it's clay soil with poor drainage, then perhaps think about growing something, building a raised bed or something, where you can improve that drainage and improve that condition. For me, growing potatoes, it's one of those activities that you can do with everyone. It's that vegetable that just brings it all together. There's nothing like having a fresh potato. Do you know, when you pick the fresh potato and when you cut into that, the knife just goes through and it makes this crisp sound. You can't replicate that with a shop-bought potato. It sounds sort of soggy. <laughs> That's why I like green potatoes. Thanks, Moffin. I love the idea of his potato harvest being a treasure hunt for his kids. And he's right. Allotments are great spaces for young people to get their first taste of gardening. Kirsty Ward, who runs the My Little Allotment Instagram page, is here now to share some of her top children-friendly tasks. Very useful for the summer holes. 
I have two beautiful daughters called Callie and Mila. Callie is now seven and Mila is four and they have both been involved in the allotment since they were little. So since Mila was six months old and Callie was three and from day one they've been getting dirty in the mud, looking for bugs and enjoying planting seeds with mummy. I think my girls have always really enjoyed being outside. We love going for walks with the dog and going for walks in the forest. But I think the freedom on the allotment is something that they really enjoy. They get to get muddy with no worries. and They really enjoy doing tasks like watering. We do lots of sowing of seeds. We plant out lots of things. And their favourite thing is definitely harvesting strawberries and gooseberries. <laughs> They love harvesting the fruits and the stuff that we grow because I like to teach them a lot about what we're doing from the start. So cucumbers are one of like the easier seeds to sow and pumpkins. So I always get the girls to sow those with me. And then it's watching them grow. So we sow the seeds, we watch them germinate, we plant them out and then we watch them grow and then we can harvest them to use. So obviously they see the strawberry flowers appear and then they see the strawberries grow and they watch them turn green and turn red. And I think it's that following that journey that they really love and that they know that they've been a part of, which is really amazing. I think there's so many lovely memories of taking the girls down to the allotment, but I think just spending time with them down there for me. So we, when we go and we go for the day, we always take a picnic and we take some colouring books and we'll sit and we'll have a bit of time together just sat down there as well as doing the jobs on the allotment. And I think for me, like, it's just having time with them down there because the allotment is a space that I use for me and for my well-being, but having them down there with me is a bonus. So just getting to spend that precious time with them. There are so many ways to get kids involved with allotments or gardens and I think one of the most important ones is giving them their own little space, whether it's a pot or a small raised bed or a small area in a border of your garden, allowing them to pick plants to put in or sowing seeds. Obviously, getting involved with tasks that you'll do as well, like watering or planting, whether it's just like raking the garden, all of those things that they love to do. If you're doing them, if they've seen you do them, they want to be involved as well. Um, if you're finding it difficult to get them involved with it to start with, you could do little things like bug hunts or building a bug hotel. Those things are really important just to get kids outside in general they go outside they start being more aware of their surroundings looking for little ladybirds on the plants and things like that but one of the, our favorite things to do on our allotment is to grow a rainbow so we love to grow lots of color so we'll grow things like pink potatoes red radish green peas yellow beans and orange tomatoes so it's always fun for them to see that you can grow colorful things and not just the colors that you get in a supermarket Kirsty Ward. We've heard from lots of passionate plants people about their love of certain homegrown fruit and veg, and one of my favourites is the good old apple. In my own garden, I've got nine apple trees, and most of them are either russets, which I love, like Ashmead's kernel, or they're Cox's orange pippin type apples. And uh, I really love the Wisley orchard. There's 700 different cultivars there, uh, which is absolutely amazing. Let's head into the orchards now. Our king of apples, Jim Arbery, has many favourite varieties. 
Kids Orange Red is a very nice flavoured apple. One of the more obscure ones I like is Rushok Pear Main, which has a bit of a pineapple in the flavour, as does Pitmaston Pineapple, which also have a sort of pineapple acidity. We're standing just as we're coming into the orchard, so we've walked down between the train trees, espaliers and fan-trained fruit trees, down to where the orchard of um, what we think of as traditional sort of trees, bush trees, starts. And uh, the orchard consists of collections of fruit, so we've got a lot of different apples. We've got about 740 different apple cultivars here. 190 pears and about 100 plums, so a lot of different fruit, plus some less common fruits such as quinces and medlars and, and cobnuts. So when you're choosing to plant different, or choosing trees to plant, apple trees to plant, or pears or plums, it's first of all you need to find something that you like to eat, that's important, and choosing them during the summer, autumn, when you get them to eat is a good time to be able to make a decision on what you like and then that you can buy them ordering them for the autumn or buying them in the autumn when they first really become available and if you're growing apple trees you need at least two for cross-pollination so you might need to grow two trees it doesn't mean you have to grow two trees because your neighbor might have some just over the fence and then choosing fruit it's useful to choose them over the season so starting with early through to late if you've got several so they don't all ripen at once you know in terms of apples you can have them ripening as early as July but some of the more reliable early apples will be starting in August I mean, apples like discovery for instance is one that will ripen then is very reliable then you move on to some that will ripen in September such as Laxton's uh, fortune limelight of course with many trees in gardens if you have quite large trees you end up with a lot of apples at once and wonder what to do with them but particularly with the mid-season and, and late apples there are many things you can do with them obviously sharing can be useful making cider and juice can be and juice can be frozen which is probably easier than pasteurizing of course if they're quite good late keeping apples you can store them and that's you need a cool dark frost free place such as a shed or garage and also I'd say mouse-free, that's important as well. Drying apples is another possibility, of course, slicing and drying. Thanks, Jim. Allotments are great because they're a little piece of land that's highly affordable, that is all yours to do as you please with, within the bounds of the Allotment Association rules, of course, which are usually not too onerous. And once you're there, you can grow what you like and you can grow food, you can garden for health. Lots of people now live in flats and have little sitting areas outside their shed. They have their friends down for barbecues, their children, as we've heard, love to play there. And old experienced gardeners like me love to grow great big crops of vegetables. Now, if people want to start their own growing in their own little patch at home, that's perfectly feasible too. Often you can grow vegetables in containers on balconies and patios. And if you've got a sunny patch, just fortify it with compost from your compost bin and sow your vegetables. No one need lose out in the fun of growing your own food. And it's been great to hear in today's show how gardening and allotment lovers are catching up online. So if you'd like to drop us a message on any of our social accounts, we'd love to hear from you. Just search for The RHS on Twitter or Instagram. For now, though, it's goodbye from me, Guy Barter. Time to get back outside.
I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine and so much more. Terms and conditions apply.